You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, when they, when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream to, re- to not return to Herod, they left their own con- for their own country for another road. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, did you catch it? On Christmas Eve, the retelling of the Christmas story, there were shepherds and angels, the baby born in a stable, no room at the inn. But one part of the story, at least of the story the way we tell it with Christmas pageants and nativity sets, was barely mentioned. The three kings, the three wise men. Why is that? Well, we read from the prophets and from the Gospel of Luke throughout Advent and Christmas, and the story of Jesus' birth is found only in Luke. Luke has no mention of wise men or uh, kings from the east. He just has shepherds and angels and the manger. It's in Matthew that we read the story of the wise men, and actually that story begins after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Matthew has no accounting of the actual birth. The kings, Jesus and his family, are the players in Matthew's account, and the piece about the kings doesn't even happen fully in Bethlehem. The Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Did you catch that? They're not called wise men or kings in the scripture, but Magi. Although if you look it up in the Bible dictionary, the word Magi, it says... Uh, means wise men. And it doesn't, not, it doesn't say how many there were. It just says the magi. It doesn't say three magi or three kings or three wise men, just the magi. Now, the magi come and they explain uh, in Jerusalem that they are looking for the baby born king of the Jews, for they have seen his star in the east. Now, of course, this troubles Herod because He's king, right? And so he's frightened. He has a complex. There's no king but him, and he feels threatened by the Jews as it is. And now there's a king of the Jews? Well, it endangers his claim to the throne. So he goes, and he learns more about what the Magi are talking about. And in Matthew, which is the Jewish gospel, it reports that Herod called together the chief priests and scribes, who then quote the prophecy of Isaiah, from you, Bethlehem, shall come one to rule my people. Herod, ever conniving, calls together the Magi to him and says, go. The baby's in Bethlehem. Find the baby. Report back to me so I can go and pay him homage myself. So the Magi go. They continue to follow the star until it stops over the place where the child was. And then they go into the home, not the stable. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus at this point are in a home. And so the Magi go in there. And do you know that scholars will tell you that at this point, Jesus was likely around two years old. The wise men, the Magi, had a long walk from Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. And so it makes sense that Jesus was no longer a newborn but probably around two years old. So the Magi go and they see Jesus and they kneel before him and they give him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, the normal gifts that you give to a baby when he's born. 
But gold, frankincense, and myrrh are likely how we get the number three, right? There's three gifts, probably three magi. And aside, in Eastern tradition, they recognize 12 magi. Now, frankincense and myrrh are saps from a tree, and in the time frankincense was burned and as incense, and myrrh was used in medicine and perfumes. And so those were the gifts, along with gold, that they brought. Now, meanwhile, Herod is up to no good. So threatened by this baby is he that he wants to kill him. So the Magi are warned in a dream not to report back to Herod, and they go home a different way. And that's where today's scripture stops. But you may remember, as the story continues, Joseph also has a dream, and it tells him to take his family to Egypt. And there they are to hide as refugees. Herod is furious, and he seeks to find the baby and kill him. And that, in your scriptures, uh, your Bible might have the title of Massacre of the Infants over it. Because Herod has all babies who are two and under in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas killed. Now, in our basic Christmas pageants or nativity scenes, we don't get that full story. The three kings are placed in the manger, even though they were never there. When we do that, we skip over the story, though. We miss out on a rich piece of Jesus' life, of his history. He and his family were refugees, and people were threatened by him from the very beginning. The Magi who came from the east don't fit in the nativity scene. They weren't Hebrew. They were Eastern scholars, astronomers. They were searching, and they were open to the star, and then open to the angel's voice who told them to go back a different way, just like Joseph was open to the angel's voice who sent them to Egypt. And because both the Magi and Joseph were open to listening to the voices, Jesus' safety was assured. It's a hard story, but an important one. And it all happens because the Magi followed the star. The star led them to the baby where they then worshipped. And these Magi from the east bowed before the newborn king. These wise men, these scholars. Now many believe that they had studied Zoroastrian religion, which is a religion, was a religion of Persia and a precursor to Islam. Reverend Kelly Boyle explains that these magi believed that there would be prophets born of virgins and that they could predict that when these miraculous births would occur by watching the signs in the stars. They became expert astronomers and astrologers. They followed the stars and they met this baby. And when they met this baby, they were overwhelmed and they knelt in adoration, all because the star led them there. We call this story the Epiphany, and we celebrate it as a Christian holiday that occurs on January 6th, which is the 12th day of Christmas. Epiphany means revelation. I call it an aha moment. It's like that light bulb that, you know, we see in cartoons over your head. That aha moment, a moment of realization in this story, it's the star that leads the magi to the babe, to their epiphany, 
to the moment when they are awed by the baby king. We might even call it a moment of conversion. By following the star, the magi are transformed. The star leads them to new life. And what's interesting to me is how open the magi were. They were willing to follow a star and all it led them to. I mean, can you imagine? Like, okay, I'm going to follow this star for miles and maybe years. They were willing to follow the star because of what they learned, what they'd studied. They were intrigued and they wanted to know more. You could say they were on a faith journey. They were searching to find something they probably didn't fully understand, yet knew it was important. By following the star, they had to listen to that inner voice that moved them along, that nudged them into that search that led them to epiphany, the realization of the Messiah. Now, I imagine we all have stars in our lives that lead us to epiphanies. Maybe it's people in our life. Maybe it's books or experiences. Whatever the case, they're put into our lives by God. Stars that guide us and lead us to understanding and faith, a new way of living. They help us to focus and to listen for God's voice. I encourage you to think about the stars in your life. What stars have led you to this place right now? What stars have guided you to epiphanies? Sometimes we don't recognize the stars in our lives until later. Other times, like the Magi, we are intentional in following the star. Now, there is a newer tradition in some churches called Star Words. Say that several times and you'll say Star Wars instead of Star Words, as I discovered. But star words, and I know they've been shared here in the past. The tradition is that at the beginning of the year, you choose a star, and on that star is a word. It's usually a verb. And that star word will serve as a guide for you the whole year long. And so we have a basket here today that has stars in it, star words. And as you come forward for communion, uh, we invite you to take a star out. And then after you take communion, go back to your seat and take some time to reflect on the star and pray about the star that it might guide you. Now, if you discern in that time of prayer that you didn't get the right word and that that's not the word that um, will lead you, you're welcome to exchange it after worship, of course. My prayer is that this word will serve you in your spiritual journey this year that it will help you to be intentional about your searching, about your faith, about following God's lead, and that it will enrich your life. So focus on the word and find it in your life, add it to your life, and let it guide you. My prayer is that we would be like the Magi and follow the nudging the leading, the prodding of God, of the Spirit that guides us and leads us, God's voice through the stars in our lives, and that we'll trust that they will lead us to epiphanies. It's a new year, and God has great plans for us. 
The question for us is, are we going to follow the star, follow God's leading, and see where we might go? Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.